Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I was recently reading uh, about this uh, swimming school, swimming instruction school uh, in Australia. It's a very interesting way to teach people how to swim. Uh, but it's designed for uh, babies, six-month-old up to five-year-old children. Uh, the goal of this uh, teaching and coaching for swimming is to save their lives. It's trying to protect children from if they do fall in a swimming pool, their lives will be saved. And so this is a radical way of teaching kids. They actually throw kids in the deep end of the swimming pool. And uh, <laughs> radical, yes, and without controversy. Uh, but they, they throw them in without goggles, without any kind of swimming. Uh, they, they actually dress them up in winter clothes, shoes, and everything, and throw them in the pool. Not without help. They have instructors who are in the pool with them. Uh, but they teach these babies and children uh, to actually survive a fall into a swimming pool. It's a very interesting deal. Not without challenges. Uh, the school offers one-on-one 10-minute lessons for children uh, that are like six months to, to five years old. Uh, the instructors say this, that it is an intense course, <laughs> but that's what gets results. Uh, many of the children are pushed far outside their comfort zone, as you can imagine, and of course, parents also, too, have to confront their fears. Very, very difficult type of coaching, but successful. They save lives. This kind of training challenges not only the, the, the children, but also the parents at our most basic, basic uh, uh, needs. Uh, if you consider uh, need number one, the, sort of the obvious needs, you can just imagine what's going through the, the minds of these parents is that, well, we want our children to continue breathing. Just your basic need for air, right? That core value, that simple thing, uh, the, the base need just to have air in their lungs. And this is frightening uh, for parents and for children to think, wait a minute, you're, you're actually going to make breathing much more difficult. Uh, this, this need that uh, we all have, this need for protection, for safety. You know, parents saying, uh, is this really safe for my child? Am I going to lose my child? Uh, I'm supposed to be the protector of my child. Uh, that, that core value of safety that we all have, you know, that we want to be safe. We want to be protected. But, but then there's this other one that, that sometimes we don't want to talk about, but that's being challenged here. This, this need uh, to be accepted and to have acceptance and relationship in community. Uh, who wants to be thrown in a pool with all their clothes on? Shoes, it's embarrassing, right? You want to look good when you go to the pool. Uh, but at that core value of, of the need for acceptance, social acceptance, what if my child uh, throws a temper tantrum or freaks out at the pool? It's going to embarrass me. And so all these levels, this is a very brave uh, swimming class that is willing to actually push on every one of those areas of just core needs, core needs, relational needs, safety needs. But, hey, they say this is necessary to save your child's life. I don't know how you feel, but I feel often the metaphor of the deep end of the, of the swimming pool is a great metaphor for us and where we are right now with COVID. I think we've been thrown in. The world has been thrown into the deep end of the pool. Sink or swim, right? You've been, we've all been thrown in. We keep living in this international wave of intensity with new virus strains actually doing very well. Uh, I don't know if this surprises you. It, it, it's shocking to me how successful this virus is. You know, mutations typically in nature don't do very well, but this is doing very well. 
And there's new strains. Just when you thought things were over, the vaccine was coming, there's brand new strains that are having all kinds of success in South Africa and London and other parts of the world. But, but how are we? How are we doing? How are we doing through all this? The virus is doing great. But how are you doing? How am I doing? Am I discovering the incredible sustenance that can come only from a thriving relationship with God? Am I discovering the joy I can have in Him? Am I enjoying the comfort, the community that I can have in Christ? Am I enjoying the protection of my Heavenly Father, the only one who can protect me perfectly and completely? Am I thriving as this virus is thriving? Praise the Lord. We, we have Scripture. Uh, we have a Savior who identifies with, with us in every single way. Uh, today I want us to look at Mark 1, verses 9 through 13. Mark 1, verses 9 through 13, where we see Jesus can understand us and can relate to what we're going through today. Mark 1, 9 through 13. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. I've read this story many, many times. Um, and uh, it, it's never, never not caught me off guard. Uh, this, this contrast in these few verses of Scripture of this incredible blessing from from, from God, this incredible blessing to Jesus, being baptized and then having this incredible, uh, miraculous blessing. The, the, the skies open up and, and, and God says, this is my beloved son. This amazing blessing from the Father. And then the next verse, and the Spirit immediately, instantly he drove him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Jesus can relate to being thrust, to being thrown into a difficult situation. Jesus can relate to us. Hebrews 12 says that, that he can relate to us on every single level because he was tempted in every single way. Our Savior Jesus Christ is one who can relate to us now more than ever before. We can relate to him more than ever before. We have been driven, we've been thrust into a difficult situation. Uh, just as Jesus was. Luke uh, and Matthew actually give us a, a further uh, a description of what happened. We know Mark tells us that he was driven and was tempted. Mark doesn't uh, uh, continue and tell us the exact temptations. But, but Luke and Matthew actually reveal a, at least three temptations um, that Jesus experienced. And we, we know this is interesting. Uh, we, this is interesting because uh, we would not know these temptations unless Jesus had actually told his disciples about them. Uh, if you read the text, you'll see that this was an ongoing, consistent temptation. We don't know what all the temptations were, but we do know about these three. And I think these three are important and significant for you and for me because it relates to those core base temptations that all of us experience, that need for sustenance. It's the basic need for, for, for bread, the basic need for food, for air, those, those, those core values that we have. When those are threatened, we are tempted to do crazy things. Our, our need, our desperate need for safety, for protection. Uh, we, we, many of us have been living in fear with what we're seeing. And we, we are, are, are feel like that our, our very safety, our very lives are being threatened. Uh, 
So we're tempted to do all kinds of things to, in order to protect ourselves. All of these temptations that are listed in Luke 4 and also in Matthew uh, are, speak to these core values that we have. Our need for social acceptance, our need for, uh, for uh, relationship, and for many of us this need for, to be famous, to be influential, to actually have, have stuff, the need for money, the, the pride of life temptation. Uh, this is, these are the temptations that Jesus experienced, the ones we can really, really relate to. The first temptation, uh, Luke 4, verse 3. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The next temptation. And then the devil took him and up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, I, to you, I, I will give all authority in their glory for it has been delivered to me and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, just worship me and I'll give you all this stuff. And then finally, he took him to this pinnacle. We know the pinnacle was about 140 meters tall. Took him to the top of this pinnacle, this tower, and said, if you, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the sun. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus shares here with his disciples temptations that all of us can relate to. And, and his father intentionally drove him into the desert, drove him to this temptation to be pummeled by Satan. This was God's will. It wasn't that Satan led him into the wilderness. God the Father, who loves his son, drove him to the wilderness to experience this. I don't know what that does to your mind, to your heart this morning, to think about what kind of a loving father would do that to their children. I think about my father, uh, who I know loves me. When I was 15 years old, uh, in, a, in the United States, we have a driver's permits at 14 years old in some places. And at 15 years old, I had just gotten my driver's permit, had not driven a whole lot. And um, we were about to take a trip uh, from a small town in Arkansas to another town in Arkansas. It's about a 40-minute drive in some of the uh, most dangerous hairpin terms, crazy roads, uh, uh, th across narrow bridges and um, the, the problem was not uh, that he wanted me to drive it the problem was that he wanted me to drive him and my mother and my grandmother and my brother uh, to, to this place and uh, when he asked me if I wanted to drive of course no, 15, no teenager is going to say no uh, when their dad says you want to drive the car but the look on my mom's face and my brother's face and my grandmother's face was, are you kidding me? Dad handed me the keys. I hopped in the driver's seat. My brother and my grandmother and my mother crawled in the back seat, scared to death. I can still see their faces in the rearview mirror as I'm driving. We, this last time we were in the States, my mom and I laughed about that. Mom, I think, is still nervous about this, still recovering from that drive. My dad handed me the keys and said, you're driving. Wow. I was scared. My mom was scared. My grandmother was scared. My brother was scared. I, I, I think once we got to Hot Springs, once we got out of the car, I don't know this for a fact, but I think all of my family went to the, behind the house in a private place and kissed the ground. Thank you, Lord, for, for the safety. But I can drive now. 
because dad put me in a very uh, risky position. He pushed me in to learn. You probably can tell similar stories, but why, why, would, why would God, why would, why would loving fathers drive us into places of testing? It is to show us, to refine us, to, to make us better, and to understand truly, uh, truly uh, who he is and, and what he can do for us if we just will have confidence and faith in him. The temptation for bread. Uh, turn these rocks Turn these rocks into bread. Eat. <clears throat> he hadn't eaten in 40 days. You have to understand that the temptations that were being given to Jesus were extraordinary, incredible. People can't live past even 14 days without eating. Uh, Jesus went 40 days without eating. Uh, this, was a, this was a temptation that you would give someone who's much greater than we are, of course. I can't even imagine uh, being tempted to turn uh, a rock into, into bread. That's never been a temptation of mine. I don't know if you've ever been tempted to do that. It's, uh, but I've never been tempted to take a rock and make bread out of it. That's never been it's something that's otherworldly. I've never been tempted to jump off a tall building. That's never been something that I've been tempted to do. I've never been tempted to actually rule the world. You know, these are the, these are the temptations that are being offered to Jesus. Uh, almost like the temptations that you would consider for Superman, you know. Uh, can you burn through this wall with your eyes? I dare you. I've never had those kinds of temptations. Satan tempts us by questioning our worth, our heritage, our lineage. He says, if you are the son of God, dot, dot, dot. That's what he does with us as well. You say you're a child of God. Why don't you try this? It's the temptation at our most base need, air, food. God satisfies us more than anything else. There is more satisfaction in feeding off the written word of God. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Well, what Jesus is saying here is there's greater satisfaction. There's much greater satisfaction in uh, God's written word and the, the leadership of the actual words of the Spirit of God who leads us daily. There's much more satisfaction in that than actual bread. You can imagine this morning, I, I'm sure you can imagine a fresh spar brechen uh, just out of, the, out of the oven dripping in butter. God is more satisfactory than that. can imagine maybe you're into Portuguese rolls. I don't know. I love spar brechens, but imagine your, your most incredible, extraordinary loaf of bread fresh out of the oven, dripping with farm butter, whatever it is you put on that, and honey, whatever it is, God is more satisfying than that. And that's what he's saying here. There is, there is much more satisfaction in the Spirit of God and his words and the written word of God than, than anything that actual bread could offer. We have this temptation all the time at our, at our most base needs. Is to trade to trade out what the world has to offer instead of the spiritual that God offers us. The challenge to our safety and to our protection. We we know this is real, right? We uh, every day of our lives, every time you you now drive to a grocery store or walk in the streets or whatever it is, wherever you move, you realize you're taking it's a risk, right? Every step we take today in this world is a risk. Actually, coming to church this morning is a risk. Uh, do you hug people? Do you fist bump? Do you elbow bump? What, what is it that you do? But, but being here this morning, we recognize that this is a risk. Is it worth it? That's the question. Is it essential? Is gathering together as believers, is it essential? We believe it is. We believe it's important to come together and to, to be the body of Christ together and to worship. But 
Our safety is threatened. We, we realize that. Who do we trust? Who do we place our, our faith in? This is at our core value. Um, do, we, do, we, do we place faith in God or, or do, we, do we place ourselves in a place of testing God? Do we test him or do we place our faith in him? Do we act like professional invigilators of God? Do we invigilate him, test him, or do we place our faith in him? This is the challenge that we have. The challenge is, is are we going to trust God or are we going to test God? Satan invites us to test him. God invites us to place our faith in him. And really, that's what it comes down to. You might say, well, I've never tested God. Have you not? I've heard people say through this, through this virus experience, they say, you know, if you're, a, if you're a child of God, why are you wearing a mask? That, someone said that to me last week. You're a Christian. Why are you wearing a mask? I wanted to say because I'm not stupid, but I thought that would be inappropriate. I think very often we're cavalier in how we approach God, but it's, it's that let me test you. I'm going to show, I'm going to prove to you that I'm a believer, and I'm just going to throw caution to the wind. We do it in other ways. If you do this for me, God, I will do this. We set up conditions for God. If you, if you actually get me a car, I will. If you get me a house, if you save my parents, if you actually save my parents, I will go anywhere in the world as a missionary for you. If you do this, God, I will do this. It's a test. God doesn't have to prove anything to us. Jesus never has to prove himself. Satan is asking Jesus here, prove yourself. Prove If you're the son of God, Jesus doesn't have to prove anything to Satan. Jesus is. He doesn't have to prove a thing. We need to be cautious as we approach this world. Satan is going to ask you to prove who you are. That's going to be the temptation. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. Jesus is enough. God is inviting us not to test him, but to have faith in him. That's the invitation. This temptation, this third temptation uh, to be wealthy and powerful, is a huge temptation. The temptation to actually choose this world instead of actually choosing salvation for mankind. That was really what was on the table for Jesus. If you worship, Satan says, if you worship me, I'll give you all of this. I think about uh, this famous jazz blues uh, musician called Robert Johnson. I don't know if you know of him or not. Uh, he's, he's passed away. He lived uh, to be over 100 years old. Uh, the, the, the legend of this guy, Robert Johnson, is that uh, he's a, a real poor boy from a, a small little town, and uh, one day he decided to go off and learn how to play the guitar. He disappeared for six months, and while he was gone for the six months, he perfected. He came back uh, to, to, to be, in, just in six months, the best uh, blues uh, guitarist uh, of all time. Uh, he's well known in, in, uh, in those circles of, I, I am not a guitar player, but in, those world, in that world, he's well known. And people study him today even uh, and watch uh, old videos of him to try to figure out how he did it. Uh, he impacted the careers of Eric Clampton, uh, Keith Richards, uh, not, not really people that you should be your role model, but, but amazing guitarists, uh, John Mayer, others who uh, maybe even uh, Rico Hovecker right here has watched this guy play. I think he has, yeah. Um, but what's interesting about this guy is that uh, he... Is, is known for the legend about this guy was that he actually made a deal with the devil to get his skills, that he sold his soul to Satan to be able to, to be a good guitar player. 
That's the legend around it. Uh, folklorist Barry Lee Pearson says this actually didn't happen, but that's the legend that associated with it. I think really what happened was that he's such an amazing musician, people thought, man, he had to do something wrong to be that good. I, I, the, the, the temptation here that, that Satan is giving Jesus is this. If you'll, just, if you'll shift what you worship, if you'll sh worship other things, then I'll give you all this stuff that doesn't last. I'll give you fame, influence, I'll give you power, I'll give you money. The question for you and for me really is what would we sell? What would we sell ourselves to, to, to be powerful, influential, and famous? The question for you and for me is, is just that. What, 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 what would I sell? What would I worship so that I could have stuff, so that I could be powerful and influential? What idol would I bow down to? And that, that's our temptation. The fact of the matter is, is that there's no other one that we should worship. There's no other one that we should adore than, than God himself. There, there's no one who can satisfy us. There's no one who can, who can lead us. There's no one who can actually sustain us other than God through Jesus Christ. And, and really, he's inviting us to worship him and only him. Every day of our lives, we have this, this struggle in our mind. Am I going to worship my boss or am I going to worship God? Am I going to worship uh, <laughs> this, this friend of mine who's, who's pulling me into some kind of strange, bizarre behavior so I can get his attention or her attention? You know, what is it? But, but we have this temptation to, to worship, to, to lift things up higher than our love for God. What is it that you will lift up higher, that you will put on the pedestal higher than your God? We do this often. Sometimes we, we fall into temptation because we're just unaware that true satisfaction can only come in God and God alone. All this stuff fades. All of us in this room are wearing nice clothes and nice shoes and we have nice watches and smartphones. But in about four years... Nothing we have today or that we're wearing today will actually be in style. It fades. God does not. God invites us to worship him and him alone. Him alone. There is more satisfaction in his word, the spirit's direction, than anything we could ever eat. There's more satisfaction in worshiping God than the satisfaction we think we'll have from making a lot of money, being popular, which is really self-worship, the pride of life, or having great power. Nothing will satisfy like God. He invites us to worship him and only him. There's more satisfaction in placing our faith in God instead of testing him. We're invited to, like Jesus, is to stand firm, to keep our allegiances true and right, towards Heavenly Father who only can satisfy us. The deep end, being thrown into the deep end, refines us. It, uh, it helps us to understand what's really, really important. Uh, we've heard testimonies over the last couple of weeks of just how uh, COVID has been used in positive ways. I think about our lives. I think about the sweet intimate relationships I have with my, my children, my family, my parents, 
that was just deepened because of this difficult time. Praise the Lord for these sweet family relationships that uh, we were lacking. Uh, it, it came because we were pushed into the deep end. Praise God for this deeper, sweeter relationship with Heavenly Father that we have now because of this, the intimacy. It pushed us to stop and think and worship in a different way. Jesus became our friend when we were alone, right? When you're isolated, all of a sudden, Jesus walks with you. You discover him to be your friend that's closer than a brother. This is how God operates. This is how God works. Uh, this is his way of, of operating. We see this through Scripture. We see this in 1 Peter. First uh, Peter starts off the letter to First Peter, and he says this, that be glad when you, in, when you go through trials. Uh, these trials show that your faith is genuine. So the test, the deep end actually exposes what really is there, the good stuff. It says, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day that Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter uh, goes on to say in 1 Peter 1, he talks about uh, those early believers. He said, you, you love him, even though you, don't, you never see him. Uh, though you don't see him, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, Peter said, an inexpressible joy. He says, the result of your trials was that your faith became genuine, and all of a sudden you become these people of joy, and inexpressible joy, Peter says here. You trust him. And you believe in him. You're, something's changed in you because of the trials that you've gone through. These trials have refined you like gold, burned out all the impurities, and, and you've discovered really what's important. This is how God works. God, just like he did with his son, will drive us into the wilderness so that the good stuff can come out. That's what he does. Romans 8 we think this is just one writer of the New Testament. No, no, no. It's all through. This is a theology that runs all through Scripture, is that hard times produce good stuff. That's why we're going into a month of fasting in February, because we believe that the, the junk will be purified out of us and that the good stuff will rise to the surface. The deep end creates that kind of an atmosphere. Romans 8, verse 18, this is what Paul said. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Paul says this. Let me summarize this for you. He says this, that we have been subjected to frustration. We've been subjected into this stress, not because we wanted it, but God himself put us in this in hopes that we would discover the freedom that can only be experienced by the children of God. The children of God experience a level of freedom that is different from anything else. The hope was that you would actually be freed from the bondage of the corruption of this world, be free from the trappings of this world, and experience the freedom that comes as being a child of God. Paul is saying, look, this is worth it because of what we discover. This is worth it because of the freedom we have and we can only have in God. So God says, I love you enough to throw you in this difficult situation so that you can find out, truly find out, of freedom that you've never known before. I know who I'm talking to this morning. I know that 
that many of you have suffered greatly. If you're online this morning, you've lost people, you've lost people that you love, people have died. I'm suggesting to you, though, that still, that God is more satisfying than anything this world has to offer, including your life. This is temporal. This life is temporal. That is eternal in the presence of God. But we live for this temporary instead of for the forever. Oh, that God would show us. Really, I think the hard thing for you and for me this morning and every day of our life is really, do, do I really believe there is greater satisfaction in being a child of God, worshiping him, following him, than anything that this world has to offer? That's what we're saying. I say yes. That, that walking with him, following him, is much greater than anything we could experience here on this earth greater than any car I could drive, greater than any house I could live in, greater than any kind of person I could know, greater than any kind of brechen I could eat, no matter how good, no matter what voice was put into it, God is better and sweeter and more satisfying. Are we willing to actually walk this journey? Well, whether we're willing or not, we are in this path. And I have a choice to actually be destroyed by it because the virus is really, really doing well. But how am I doing? Am I thriving in Christ? Am I, am I discovering the joy, inexpressible joy, the freedom I can have in him? Let this time purify us. Let the fast coming in February weed out the junk so that we can actually experience this incredible walk that changes our lives. We're invited to trust him for our safety. We're invited to trust God only for our provision. We're invited to trust God for whatever relational needs that we have, God will supply. God takes, seek him first. All these things are at it. I believe that uh, we are in a time where this will continue. If not for COVID, we're gonna have temptation the rest of our life. We're gonna be tested till we die. That's the reality of our world. We're invited, though, to learn the sweetness, the closeness of what God can do in our lives. He invites us to shift our focus from the problem to the solution, to God himself, the intimate walk with God himself. We're invited to focus there, and our lives really can change. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we give you praise. We love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that, Lord, you can relate to us in every single way, God. Oh, Father, we, we see that you are tempted in every single way that we are tempted. Lord Jesus, thank you that, thank you, Lord, for pushing us into the deep end. Lord Jesus, we are finding life in you. We are finding sweetness and freedom in you and only you, Father. It's in your sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.